Hey Brian, I was born in 82. I'm not a millennial. I don't give a damn what anybody says or what some When were you born in 82? February. Remember Showbiz Pizza? Where they like would spank the kids on their birthday? Yeah. I threw that in there and I was like, I was like, and I asked, I said, who's, I'm 36, who's old enough to be my dad? And then just a couple of guys raised their hands and I was like, why did you do this to your children? Some creepy dude in a bear suit, you let him spank your kids. Like, how fucked up was the 80s? <laughs>
why can't I be as proficient as I used to be? Why can't I be part of a team like that? Why can't I um, make a difference? Why can't I get a job? Why can't I stop drinking? Why? And all of those why questions, you've heard me say this probably a million times, if your internal self-talk is why something, if you can answer that starting with because, you have created an excuse and a reason to stay where you are. Hey, you're like, oh, well, it's because this is why. So I'm off the hook. It's because my last boss was a dick, or it's because yeah. I hurt my back, or it's because I, I saw some terrible things while I was in combat. It's be, whatever it is. And everybody does that. Yeah, but that makes it okay. It right. makes it okay to, even though you, you set an objective, well, usually you just make a goal to stop drinking. Right? You don't set an objective because an objective has a plan and a goal is something that you just hope to achieve. Right. So you set a goal, which is something that you hope to achieve, but you really don't understand what you're doing to try to get there and you don't understand the impact of your internal self-talk on achieving that or not achieving that. And then you get to, you see something on television at night when you're relaxing in your house and you haven't had a drink in two days or somebody says something that sets you off or you're having a little trouble getting to sleep and so you end up taking a shot of whiskey or drinking a beer or whatever even if you didn't plan to do it and then you start beating yourself up why did i do that why was i so weak why can't i stop that habit that i'm trying to resolve and then the answer comes back well because so because yeah. you need that so you can sleep yes it's right. bad yes it's going to kill you in the long run uh, it's going to destroy relationships, but it's okay because it helps you go to sleep. Right. And that, that, that reason, that excuse, keeps you anchored where you don't want to be, but you don't understand how to get out of it. And, and I really believe that it's a simple combination of things that having a very strong visual internal picture of what you want to become, what you see your life being, I think, I think that's a big issue too because I think a lot of guys don't even know that. Yes, absolutely right. I think it's the way we're trained and, we're trained and programmed in, in a way that it's hard to take decade, years or decades of, of the way we're programmed because if you look at how we're trained, like weakness is not tolerated in any way, shape, or form. Right. You have a laser focus on your job and your identity and what you're doing. And so now when you transition out, and you lose zero that, defect mentality. Yeah, you have a zero defect mentality. But what happens when you lose your laser focus and you're programmed, okay, what's what's our what's our steps for, for being wounded? Okay? Self-aid corminate or self-aid buddy aid corminate, right? So we take that mentality of zero defects, we take that laser focus, and we take that self-aid, you know, coordinate or buddy aid coordinate with us and like for me I didn't I, I still struggle with like asking for help I still struggle with like admitting like you know it makes noise when you run over that thing in the middle I'm, of the I'm road trying road. there's ruts in here I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to flip Sorry this whole that. thing <laughs> go ahead no, I just think that the our the mentality of like not having you know being able to show any weakness when you get out and you start to crumble and break down because you don't have that laser focus, you don't have a mission, you've lost your identity, Think the wheels start to come off the bus and now you're not programmed to go admit that you have a problem because that's admitting weakness. Weakness isn't tolerated. And what focus do you usually put? What, uh, veterans that you see transitioning out that are going through that, 
when they develop a laser focus, what is it usually that you Something see? negative. It's usually it's usually when they start to spiral down, they'll they'll put laser focus on. I see alcohol. something before that. I I see a laser focus on a significant other. It's a partner, right? Right. It's it's okay. So I can't be a raider anymore. I can't be a ranger anymore. But I've got the best looking girl in town. Right. Right. And that isn't usually that relationship probably didn't develop in a very meaningful way. It was probably a casual hookup at a bar that turned into a relationship. But now your identity goes from this to now this because you got this, your career was on a pedestal, now this person is. And then because of the things you're talking about when you're self-medicating, the alcohol, the whatever is going on, you're having trouble getting or keeping a job, money problems are tight, uh, you can't get the kind of care that you need because you're trying to do the self-care first, that significant other says, dude, I'm done. I've told you to go get help. I've told you to do this. I've told you to do that. You're not doing it. I'm out of here. And when I hear, when I see a veteran that posts on social media that she just left, that sends up all kinds of red star clusters right. because that guy's thinking about killing himself because that was the that was the last thing that he had. Yeah, strike two on losing his uh, losing what he's focused on. Right. Maybe strike three or four or five or six. You know. So. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the way we're, we're programming. When we lose all of that transitioning out, it's super difficult. To so I like you say your analogy about the bike. You were talking about that, like all having excuses and what you, and how you were giving yourself excuses. About oh yeah, the bike. yeah. As a matter of fact, shameless plug. I talk about this in my book, Common Sense. Oh, we're gonna get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get to that. I'll have the link below. Yeah. So for the book. So the. The Burris Functional Emotional Fitness Program that we use that is incorporated into the five gallon few, uh, functional fitness points right. of STAR, uh, emotional fitness is a huge piece of that. And that, that training teaches you to identify what your internal self-talk is and how to turn that into something that's positive, that moves you, moves you towards achieving your objective instead of holding you back from it. And we went out, we were on a retreat two years ago, and I went through a couple of hours of training these guys on Burris. At that time, I think he called it emotional wellness because I got him to change the terminology in all of his materials to fitness. Yeah. But, but I'm going through all of this, and I'm telling these guys how to visualize, and how don't be negative, don't ask negative questions, and keep it positive. And then I had just started, I'd just gotten a brand new bike, like, Oh, six or seven months before. Is right? that when you had just started riding? Yeah, I, that was that was oh, right wow. when okay. I first started riding. Okay. And and I didn't know how fast I could ride. I didn't understand the dynamics of it. And uh, but but I knew that because I like to drink craft beer to moderation. That if I didn't start doing something, that I was going to weigh 800 pounds <laughs> in about a year. So because I can't run, so so I I decided to start biking. And I get back. The next morning I hop on my bike and I have set a goal for myself because my mind terminology was still wrong then. So I had a goal yep. of riding 20 miles and I wanted to keep an average 15 mile an hour pace, which was a, that was a stretch for me to get to a 15 mile an hour pace. I'm beyond that now, I'm glad to say, but at that time that was a stretch. So I get on the bike and I'm three or four miles in and my earbuds announce that your average pace is 14.2 miles per hour. 
and immediately I'm in my head I go why can't I keep a 15 mile an hour pace that's my goal and then, and then my mind says well it's because you were in Colorado on this retreat for the last couple of days you're probably dehydrated you got off a plane last night your time zone's off uh, all, all of these things were giving me permission to not try to achieve that Slack goal off. because yeah. I had all these reasons why it was okay for me not to do it but as soon as I caught it then I interrupted it with all right what do I need to do to ensure that I'm getting a 50 mile an hour pace how can I increase my speed per mile and then the answer is just like somebody opened up a faucet because it's like, well, hydrate, use the hills, watch the gears. All these things start running through my mind, and I finished that. I think I went 22 or 23 miles that day and uh, and had a 15.3 or 4 mile an hour. It was the fastest that I'd ridden and the farthest that I'd ridden since I got the bike. And if I had stayed stuck in the negative self-talk, I probably would have knocked it off at 10 and... Uh, you know, had a 14 mile an hour pace, gone home and had a beer. But That's what I'm saying, myself. go have another craft beer, <laughs> yeah. I think that makes all the difference, going back to what you said, why why does it happen? All by just changing the narrative. Well, yeah, but when you think about when, when you're on, we want to make a turn then? Hold on. It's okay. We're good, we're good. We're good. good We're good. good. Woo-hoo! We didn't wreck. We're going west. Yeah. Whoa. Need to adjust the cameras here? Put some shades on at least. There we go. Well, I think in terms of also having someone that you surround yourself with that's a positive influence on you and is a positive person, it's also having the security and the trust to like let down your guard with those people and just be completely raw and just completely let it hang out and not have any fear of judgment because I mean going back to the way we're programmed you know and having showing no weakness at any time you walk around and you don't know that all all your brothers or all your you know guys from your community are hurting and sucking in the same way but nobody wants to talk about it nobody wants to admit it because I'm good, bro. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm good, bro. I'm a tough guy. I'm good, bro. And so, so you're constantly saying you're good, you're good, you're good all the time. You don't, nobody, you know, at least with the, the group of people that, you know, I was running with for a while, they didn't, you know, none of us would have talked to each other about what was really going on with ourselves. And so, you know, and then it just, like, it's, when we did open up and talk about stuff, it was, it was negative. You know, it was all negative. It was just perpetuated negativity and caused a spiral of cyclical negative energy. So what is, Carl, what's your opinion on editing your circle? Like, so you change your thought process, you change the narrative in your head to, and I talk a lot about this, about like, if, if you've got negative people in your life, it's not personal, but you got to cut them out. You have to not want to go down the positive road with them. And that can be very, very hard to do because you can keep, you can, generally care about those people and there's a lot of people that I've cut out of my life that I genuinely care about but I mean they are just like a they are a black hole of negativity and, and no matter what I do I can't change them you know that's their that's their belief system and their thought process and the way they live their life yeah so one of the things that Burris would tell you is your internal questions and, and the Burris techniques 
develop a very structured way to ask questions about things in your life that you want to change or that you want to impact. And Bruce would say, if there is a particular relationship or number of people, group of people in a relationship that you're struggling with, then you should be asking yourself questions like, what can I do to uh, be a better role model for that group? Or what can I do to, it's all on what, what can I do, not what can I make them do, right? right? Or what can they do? It's all. It's what can I do? Right. And and it might be, you know, the, there can be a contradiction in questions because, like you said, if they're holding you back, one of the questions that you might need to ask yourself is, what do I need to do to move myself pro professionally forward, or what do I need to do to become more emotionally stable? Yeah. And the answer that comes back might be, you need to shed these people, just, or just a better human That's right. being. Yeah. And and it's not like you said at that point. It's not. It's not personal because it's not about them, it's about you. Right. So that, that goes back to the, the girl breaks up with a guy, right? She's like, oh no, it's not you, it's me. Right. But it's a hard thing to take, but. What, and what, I know from my personal experience, you know, and you've seen me go through all this. Yeah. When I've cut those, like, I tried to hang on to everybody. I wanted, I just wanted to be friends and be happy and be with everyone. Unfortunately, it's just not the way it works. You can't do it. And once I, you know, got burned a little bit, but once I did have, like, you know, changed my way of thinking, changed my narrative, started thinking more positively, and I edited my circles where, like, you know what, this is what's best for me and my family. And now I've only, I pretty much, like that post today with all of you guys and everybody here and you know, my all my team on the business side, both the Raider Project and the business side, like things are really awesome. And not only that, but they get off. It's like a um, there's a huge ROI with it as well. And it's just like it's like a compounding interest of of awesomeness. Yeah. Based off just positive people every day. Like we go Thank to the you, office. Yeah, that's very nice. Yeah. Making some good dividends in the karma bank. Yeah. What I the, call it. Yeah, exactly. It's like I show up to work and like I've we've got Johnny there, we've got employees there, and everybody that comes in is just like super excited about everything we have going on all the time. And even so when things that happen that are negative, it's just kind of like meh. Well what the number one thing that Burris uh, encourages you to learn how to do is to live in a spirit of love. Yeah. Right? And that's that's the it's not the sexual kind of love, it's the right. It's the being one with the universe, karma, like you yeah. said, it's that kind of love. And it's it's not when you have to terminate a relationship like that, you have to be able to do it out of a sense of love both for you and the other person. Right. And not post something nasty on social media that so-and-so is a no, that's not ridiculous. That's not no, what but I'm there are people that do that, right? Yeah. So, so you see... That's not how you edit a circle. You see political discussions all the time where somebody, because they voted a certain way or because they believe a certain thing about gun control, now so-and-so posted something like, you're an idiot, and then, you know, it's all blown up on social media. But that's not responding or, or living in an attitude of love. And, I spent two weeks in India recently. Wonderful, wonderful trip. And our yoga instructor that's with us probably knows this, but you know, when you finish yoga, the yoga instructor always puts their palms together and says namaste, right? Everybody goes namaste. Nobody really knows what that means in the US. So I'm in India and I get there and everyone that greets you 
everyone, whether it's a waiter at a restaurant or a friend that you see, whoever it is, they all go namaste right off the bat. And so I thought, well, I want to know what they say that means. And okay. so I started asking around. And in the, in the deepest Hindu tradition, namaste means I acknowledge the divine within you. So if you are greeting someone by saying, I acknowledge the divine within you, it's pretty difficult to have now a controversial or an adversarial interaction, right? Right. It's like um, I, I work with veterans all the time who uh, experience hatred, right? And, and hatred towards the enemies of their country that they have seen do bad things to their, right. their friends and other and civilians. I get that. So when you think about in a combat situation, which I have not experienced, be right up front about that. But if you're in a fight with somebody else, what's the worst thing you can do? Lose your cool. Yeah. Right? You go you go at them angry and full of hate. You make bad decisions based on emotions yeah. that may not be in your best interest. You're not thinking clearly. But if you can maintain an attitude of love and still be able to put a bullet in the bad guy's head, right? Now you're thinking clearly calmly you're making the best possible decisions and that's that I suppose in the Hindu or Buddhist faith they call it that being able to live in Zen or, or uh, martial arts talks about mind like water so the, yeah. the current flows around you but but you let it go past you and you, and you keep your focus um, that's the way we got to live we have to stay above the little petty crap we got to keep our focus on what we're trying to do personally and professionally and build healthy circles like you're talking about. Yeah. Because it's 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 such a it's such a huge impactful thing when you have a supportive network around you, a supportive circle, by some negative ones. Um, I mean, it really just changes changes everything. Yeah. Sucks to be that guy. Did he have? Is that a, uh, a, yeah. a grocery yeah, cart? Shopping cart. Shopping cart on the side of the road. Yeah. In the middle of the desert. He's on a journey. That's wow. intense. He's on a journey. Wow. All right. Hopefully he doesn't die. Hopefully the shopping cart wasn't full of potties. <laughs> I feel like we're driving into an episode of Breaking Bad or something. Here. Right. <laughs> We don't have pants hanging from the outside anywhere. This is not the highway. I don't, I don't know where we're going. It says we're still on track. So what else Taking happened? Taking a proverbial shortcut. Whatever, what, else, what else happened in uh, India? Some other, some other interesting things that happened that you enjoyed? Hang on a second, because I, I'm also... In 15 miles, you're going to turn on I-40. At least according to mine. 21 miles a day on Josh Road. But, but let me let me rephrase this. Interesting. If I buy 30 million shares of stock, we'll have this. single penny back each quarter. So mine looks like that. Looks like we're going to come up and we're doing some sort of a parallel to I-40 thing. Oh, okay. But from where you turned, we would have had to drive further south to pick up I-40. So it's probably, with our speed, it's probably six to one half as the other. But... Other things about India. Yeah, you spent two weeks here. Spent two weeks and had no idea what I was really getting into. We were invited by a family friend who was getting married. And uh, the 
what's amazing over there, from what I can see, is there are people that live in abject poverty, and there are people that are very well off, and they coexist, and it doesn't look like they are, and maybe it's just where I was at, but they're not, poor people are not jealous and want what the rich people have, and they make the, it looks like they make the very best of what they can with what they have, which is, you know, trying to learn how to be content within the, the situation that you're in. Yeah. Sure. But at the same time, they work their butt off to try to provide for their families or to try to do a little better. And uh, it's pretty inspirational to see that. It's also the influence of family over there is it's very evident that whether it's a poor family or a well-to-do family, that the, the, they stay, they're very tight. How's the food? <laughs> Love the food. You didn't get any Razul's Revenge or anything, did you? Do what? You didn't get any Razul's Revenge, did you? What's that? Uh, Razul's Revenge? What's another oh, 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 I got you. I didn't get sick. You didn't get sick? No. No, well, first off, we, I made sure all my shots were up to date before I went. <laughs> uh, to include taking an anti-malarial. Do you know the reason why people get sick over there? Um, it's the water it's the water. Yeah, water and food and but or fruit. The, it's not, well, it's the water. And yeah, the vegetables and fruit. Yeah, yeah because the, the, the vegetables, you don't want to eat raw fruits and vegetables because you don't know how they were washed. Yeah. And the problem with the tap water is, when it comes out of the water purification facilities there, it's drinkable. Yeah. But their delivery system is not a pressure delivery system. So if a pipe leaks, it leaks both ways. So yeah. it sucks in groundwater contamination. Yeah. And they're, they're it's just not that good, right? I mean, you see people pull a side of the road, they're peeing, right? In, in the city, they're peeing in a ditch. Right. So all that stuff goes into, into the groundwater, gets into the pipes, and then it's delivered into the homes and the buses. So uh, unless you purify it, you don't want to drink it, so you want to buy bottled water and drink it. Is that what you did? You just based off, just traveled off bottled, bottled water? Brushed our teeth with bottled water until the last uh, two days when we were at the wedding area. It was a little resort yeah. area, so it was. It seemed like it was a classier area. Doesn't mean the water was any purer. But you rolled, you rolled the dice. Yeah, well, I'm, we're at a wedding, right? There's yeah. all the people, the family, and all there, and they're bringing out cups of water and really and fancy glasses and. You don't want to say, can I have a bottle of water, please? Yeah. So uh, the first day, I just kind of took a few sips. Didn't have any ill effects, so the next day, I was just, I, I, I was fine. My wife never went that far. She, she stayed with a couple little sips and then bottled water. And what uh, they, most of the water that they served was, uh, was room temperature. So you could politely get away by saying, can I have some chilled water? Because then they have to go get an ice bottle of water. They also, and I didn't realize this was the case, but we were at uh, uh, Vijuana, which was, we bounced from the New Delhi area, which is kind of north central, to Kerala, which is uh, on the southwestern coast, and then we went to the southeastern coast. 
where Mishawada is, and that's where the wedding was. And, uh, however you best, however you design your corporate structure, each one of the, I think, five states in India is almost autonomous. It has its own language, even though they're kind of based in the same root. One person from India that's from a different state can't understand what somebody from a different state is saying. Yeah. And, uh, they eat with their fingers. I mean, like messy, sloppy rice. They eat with their fingers, and they'll pour this delicious. Uh, usually, it's vegetarian because they're, they didn't eat a whole lot of meat. They had to kind of ask for it, and they pour this. And I'm, I'm not even going to try and say the name of the sauce. I don't remember. It. But they pour it on the rice, and then they mix it. They like knead it with their fingers, and then they. They're eating it and it's dripping down their hands and it's just, it's a big mess. Yeah. But then, always right around the corner, they have a, a set of faucets and basins set up so everybody goes and washes. No, that was a yoga pose. That was a yoga pose. That was a yoga pose. It looked really cool. It looked like you were like doing the sun pose or whatever. We had some yoga going on back here because of the driving was awesome. That's that. Speaking of driving, how was the driving over there? That video you posted. Oh my gosh. Good. That video you posted was hilarious. Yeah, the, uh, they, they have traffic laws, but they just don't have them. It's a loose, it's a loose guideline. Oh, well, if you come up to, and I saw this the very first night that I was there, riding in a taxi from the airport to a hotel, they come up to a red stop light, red stop light, and they just honk their horn and go through. They don't care if cars are coming. They just, they honk and then they just weave in between them and then the other cars honk and everybody, Everybody honks so they know where everybody else is, and nobody gets any hard feelings about it. They just honk and go. And when you have a, it's funny because you see here on a on a highway in the U.S. when it, there's road construction and a two-lane highway goes down to a one-lane highway, right? And you have the merge now sign. Yeah. And you always have some dick that is going to run all the way up on the left as far as he can to cut in front of the truck. Right, instead of waiting back in line. Yeah. And then you have truckers that'll weave over to stop you from doing that. Over there, they all, both lanes, they just go all the way up to the front, and then when they get there, they just zipper in. They just, and they honk, so everybody knows where everybody else is. But it makes it flow. And you don't, it, there were times we weren't moving very fast, but we were always moving. And Sarah was asleep on one of those. Oh, yeah, she was passed Yeah, well, she was getting car sick because we're in this, very curvy mountain road where the guy's driving like crazy and you can see in the video because he's got a, a crucifix hanging from his rearview mirror you can tell how the road is because it's going like this it's going like this it's like this and you can see in front of us there's cars and motorcycles and they're doing this and so she was she's getting kind of green at the gills and finally she just bowed her head over and went to sleep but I'm, I'm sitting behind the driver and I'm like there's no way I'm closing my eyes <laughs> So what, what, what's up with your book? How do we get it? You can actually get it on the Raider Project site. You can get there's hard copies available through the Raider Project. I, I, I think soft cover, maybe not hard cover. I don't remember I what. Think, no, I think you sent them. I, I, I think you sent both. Uh, you can go to uh, Amazon. It is now available in the Kindle format, 
Cool. So I think 795 for a V895 or something like that for for a uh, Kindle version of it. But uh, book's been out since November. It's what's the What's the premise? I'll, I tell my story. I talk about uh, why I'm doing what I'm doing and how the things that led to there because I think it's important for people to understand because I'm not a trained psychologist, I'm not a trained therapist, but I bring a lot of life experience that's very relevant to what we're doing with transitioning veterans. Yeah. Some of it is not military life experience and some of it's military life experience. And uh, in, the, in the book I talk about examples of veterans I've worked with that some have uh, gone on to, to really do well and other ones are still struggling. I talk a lot about how the system has failed some of our veterans. I've worked with veterans from Just Cause and Desert Storm that they're completely left behind by the system now. When the war project doesn't care about anybody pre-9-11. And uh, Vietnam veterans are still struggling in some cases. And I, I see a pattern. We talked about the pattern earlier. Yeah. In terms of... Uh, the commonalities of letting your mind sit you into the gutter, doing that downward spiral that results in disaster, whether you're a Vietnam veteran or a desert storm or post-9-11, it's all common. Talk about that. Talk about the Gallup Star, how we came about kind of focusing on emotional, social, spiritual, physical, and professional. And uh, offer solutions for communities. So if you're a, if you're a veteran or you're a military service member thinking about getting out, it's hard for me to focus on what we're talking about. So if you're a veteran and you're, um, or if you're a military service member and you're looking at getting out, probably be a good book to like start with because it's going to give you a roadmap to some issues that were that you could be looking at down the road without even knowing it yeah i think it there's a the audience for the book is if you're getting ready to transition definitely there's a path there that you need to look at we talk about the asthma all the time yeah right you get off asthma if you're off asthma for a short distance, it's not that big a deal to get back on the right path. Look right there, it's okay. It's yeah, but if you're off asthma for ten years, yeah, ten years or ten miles, if you're doing it on the ground, you don't even see the objective. Yeah, you're lost by the time you get there. So, uh, staying, find, finding that asthma, staying on it, surrounding yourself with the positive influences that help you stay on it, help you make the right choices. Uh, that's hugely important. There was something you were saying right there a minute ago that I, I lost that I was going to follow back up on. Oh, on the audience. Yeah. You know, if you're an active duty person that uh, is a commander or a, in a non-commissioned officer, influential position, You've got soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines that are leaving active duty that you're sending them out unprepared because, and I'll talk to the camera, you're sending them out unprepared because the military transition system is not adequate for helping them prepare for uh, what they're going to run into when they go home. And the big thing 
we think about somebody leaving Camp Lejeune. How many Marines stay in the Camp Lejeune area when they leave? I'm not sure there's some. Yeah, but, but, but not how many, yeah. right? So yeah. where do they go when they leave? Right. They go home. Or, or they go to the school they want to go to, or they get a job and they go, but they go to Kansas City and they go to Dallas and they go to California, you know, four corners of the world. And each one of those communities has a different uh, recipe for success in transition than another one. What works in San Francisco isn't going to work in Dallas necessarily, right? And, and Detroit's going to be a whole different thing. So how do you know what works in those communities? Well, you turn to the veterans in those communities that have successfully transitioned, and now they own businesses, and they teach, and they are professionals in business. They, you know, they, they've transitioned, and they're not, I'm not saying they've got to be super wealthy, but they've achieved a level of stability in their lives, and they have surrounded themselves with a positive circle. And a lot of times, those are rotary clubs and Kiwanis clubs and church groups and chambers of commerce. And there are all things that, when that veteran comes back to the community, he or she is, like he said a minute ago, the, the steps of care, right? Self-care, buddy care, Medicare. So you're trying to do the self-care thing, and you really don't know what's out there that might be able to help you, but you're not going to go ask because now you appear weak by asking. So you're going to continue to try. So it's, it's, you know, you got to be honest about it. I think the majority of veterans come through that okay. They, they, they have a hard time, a lot of them have a hard time, I had a hard time, but I came through it okay. And if you look at the people that came through it okay, what are the common influences? That somebody came in alongside them and helped them, that they trusted, respected, uh, and it was probably somebody that had a military background that was somewhat similar to theirs, so that's why they trusted and respected. So what we've got to do is we've got to make the connections happen, where they go to live, and, and right now it's a push system, give you a bunch of information, here's your azimuth, now go into the night land navigation mode uh, or a foreign country and try and find your own way. And when you get off azimuth, you don't even know you're off azimuth. But if you get connected with somebody, when you get there, now, now you just had a guy with a flashlight that picks you up in that dark forest and says, here's the way to go. Let's go. So check it out. Links below. The sun's setting, we're gonna. Mine died. <laughs> sun's setting, so we're gonna end it.